0: This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content unfiltered. This is Discovery.
1: Hello, I'm Cal Steiger, your host for Discovery, the show that celebrates podcasting by providing samples of series. On today's show, we're going to be sampling two podcasts. We're going to hear some insights into human resources management, increasingly a challenge in a post-COVID world. And then we're going to hear from Ross Hugate and his I Am Love series. But first to the business world and the realities of trying to manage a workforce that is now staggered in terms of not only where they work, in the office or at home, but also when they work and what they expect or need from the jobs. To help us understand what these challenges are and how to navigate them, we have Lisa Kay from Peak Performance Human Resource Consulting in a series called HR Untethered, Navigating HR Realities with Lisa Kay. This is Episode 1. Hello, I'm Glenn Perkins,
0: and welcome to HR Untethered, navigating HR realities with Lisa Kay. During the past several years, seismic shifts have reshaped how companies operate, influenced by a multitude of factors. Take for instance the game-changer COVID-19, which not only altered business dynamics but also redefined the employee experience and expectations. In this podcast, we explore how companies accustomed to the traditional 9-to-5 work policy are grappling with the complexities of hybrid work environments and flexible schedules. Many find themselves navigating uncharted waters, facing unprecedented challenges in the process. Today, we are going to unravel the key question: How can businesses effectively navigate the management of hybrid and remote work teams, especially when employee performance becomes a puzzle to solve? But first, let's start by meeting HR expert Lisa Kay from Peak Performance HR. Welcome, Lisa.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Can you tell us a bit about who you are and your company?
2: Absolutely. Uh, So. First off, my name is, like I said, Lisa Kay. Uh, Peak Performance HR is a company I founded uh, about 13 years ago now, and we provide HR services to small and mid-sized businesses primarily, although we do have clients who are larger. But we really try to focus on working with smaller uh, and mid-sized businesses who don't have an HR resource in-house and who who need the HR expertise to help them uh, navigate some of the difficult challenges that they're facing today.
0: And what was the spark to make you create the company? (laughs)
2: <laughs> A very interesting question. I, I had been working in HR and corporate roles for over 20 years, but I always did have sort of an entrepreneurial bug in me that wanted to pursue something on my own. And so when I found myself pregnant and unemployed... <laughs> I decided to go out and and take the risk and begin to consult. And today, I have a team of twenty three consultants who work under the Peak Performance brand, and and we work together to provide this service to our community.
0: And this day and age, it's very important to have those HR specialists, isn't it?
2: It is in this day and age, in particular, because um, you know I've, I've mentioned this to many colleagues lately how how the world has changed. The the work environment has changed so much and so drastically, and uh, it's far more complex than it ever has been in the past.
0: The world has changed. We had the pandemic, COVID-19, of course, and companies are requiring employees to return to the office after months of working from home. Some employees are pushing back against the office culture. How can employers explain the importance of being back in the office?
2: Yeah, that's a difficult shift because it was a difficult shift initially to get employees out of the office and to have everybody working remotely very suddenly without any real time to prepare for that. And so now that we're in a position where we're coming back to the office or employers are trying to get people back to the office, it's not, it's not a surprise that they're receiving some pushback on that. Um, and I think one of the things that an employer should do instead of just demanding an immediate return to the office is try to work with employees to accommodate them uh, to understand their individual circumstances and see how they can support them through that transition back to the office while also explaining the benefits of being in the office. There are a lot of good reasons to be in the office and there are also you know valid reasons to working remotely, but it, it's finding that balance that uh, that's going to be important.
0: The pushback that I'm hearing from people is that they're at home, they don't have the commute, uh, they're able to spend more time with the family, and they're getting the job done how can you address that because those are good arguments
2: they are and and it can work very well and it often does work very well but there's uh, there's a few things i would say on that one is from a social perspective you can't underestimate the importance of having Day-to-day peer interactions, seeing somebody's facial expressions, saying good morning, having a cup of coffee uh, in the kitchen, those are really important for team building, and team building ultimately will have an effect and impact on productivity as well. Uh, if you know the people you're working with, if you like the people you're working with, that will help. Um, I mean, I suppose there's an argument to say that if you don't like the people you're working with, that might have the opposite effect, but ultimately we want to build camaraderie, and so that's one one good reason. Also, not everybody is a good disciplined work from home person. So although it works for some people, uh, employers are finding that some people don't work well from home and are not productive. And so we really also want to take a look at that and how that will impact the, the employer. Um, because if, if there's people working from home and are not available to respond to emails or phone calls or clients, then that's a problem. And so managing that performance and productivity is, is a challenge that they may or may not be interested in doing.
0: Well, let's talk about that because some companies are still going with the hybrid. They have some people in the office and some people working from home. How well are you able to manage two sets of teams?
2: Right. So managing two separate teams does pose a challenge. You don't want to give the perception to anybody that one uh, set of employees is being treated better or differently than another. There there has to be uh, consistency in the way people are managed, even if some are working remotely and some are not which means you know managers who often haven't been trained on how to manage remote teams need that training leaders don't just automatically have that skill set uh, and part of that is not being afraid to manage people remotely to ask questions to ensure there's diligent follow up and expectations and and goals and objectives set so that you know whether the person working from home is meeting those objectives and achieving what they need to uh, to, to create a, a productive work day
0: you bring up a good point of training uh, I found in my previous positions that people who have been managing me haven't been trained in certain areas, and I would imagine with the working from home environment, it creates more problems than one expects.
2: That is true, and you and you know you're right in that during COVID, because there was no time to prepare for that, uh, it was a pandemic. We had to respond and respond quickly, so so managers did not have that training, and and there's that's had a rolling effect for sure. Now that things have settled, hopefully, <laughs> and we're back to a more normal, a typical work schedule, work environment, hopefully, you know, it's a it's really good idea to train managers on that in particular and not to think that they're just going to somehow miraculously be an effective manager of remote teams. Managing in-person is difficult enough. You still need to be able to have those challenging conversations with employees who aren't performing, following up on things that aren't getting done, not you know, not sweeping issues under the rug. Um, so any any manager, any leader should have the training to be a manager and a leader. And now is a great time to, to get back on that track.
0: If there were issues to address uh, with someone who's working from home, how would you approach that? Would you ask them to come into the office?
2: that's one option I mean if they're working from home and and you're comfortable having those conversations on zoom or or on some kind of video conference meeting instead that's fine so long as you have a, a conversation that is clear where you're outlining the concern where you're outlining the expectations going forward and then of course as an HR professional I'm going to tell you it's really really important to document those conversations so just having the conversation is one thing but making sure that it's communicated in writing whether that's through an email just to confirm the discussion, whether that's a formal letter um, and, and, you know, to be included with the employee file so that you know that you've done your due diligence to to track that performance concern.
0: We know that communication is important, but it's some areas that we let pass by. You mentioned putting everything in writing and that works for both sides doesn't it
2: it does work for both sides and that's not something everyone will tell you but it's it's absolutely true i will always tell uh, both the employee and the employer that they should be documenting Anything that transpires during their working relationship, if you feel that something has gone wrong or if you're not being treated right or if, you, if you're experiencing something that makes you uncomfortable, you should document it. You should, you know, You may not want to raise every issue. That's entirely up to you whether you want to address every issue with your manager, but certainly make a note of it in your own file folder somewhere where you can retrieve it if it becomes a more persistent issue. Let's
0: talk about people who are working at home. They've been asked to return to the office. Some people are finding it stressful, in fact, creating anxiety. How do we address this?
2: Yeah. I mean, anxiety and mental health is a real challenge, especially after the pandemic. i mean, it's it's been a challenge for many for many years, but uh, certainly a reality now. And, You know, when you are used to a particular schedule, if you've been working remotely and have had the luxury of being able to get up a little bit later and feeding your family breakfast and taking kids to school or whatever, whatever your home life requires. And then suddenly you're you're thrust back into the position where you need to get into the car and and commute to work it's understandable that that would create a lot of anxiety. And that's where I was saying previously that it's it's important that employers understand that, you know, speak to people on a one-on-one basis, understand their individual circumstance and see what you can do to support them through the transition. Maybe they need some more time to adjust or they need to make arrangements with other family members or schools, et cetera. Maybe, um, maybe they just need more time to digest the news and <laughs> just to be able to accept it and explain to them the rationale. I mean, it It's always better when you're not making demands of people without explaining why you're making these choices and why you think it's important. And ultimately, you know, everybody has a choice to make. Um, But hopefully, if, if you're clear about why you're doing things and you have a good legitimate reason, hopefully most of the employees will cooperate with you.
0: And by doing this, it also helps to motivate, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I believe it does. I mean, you know, you're going to have pushback from certain people, but I think I think, you know, based on my experience in HR and talking to a lot of a lot of uh, employees and employers out there, most people will admit that they miss working in an office. You know, it's really great to work from home, but it becomes a bit lonely sometimes. So that's one of the things that you can kind of uh, you know, reiterate is, it, you know, to build camaraderie, to have just a social uh, opportunity to meet with people and talk with people outside of your home, outside of your four walls. It's, it's actually a great, a great thing.
0: How does this work with demographics? Because for somebody like myself, I couldn't say to myself, old school, and I'm used to being in the office where my kids who are in their 20s and 30s are quite comfortable with the technology and working from home.
2: I think the, the topic of demographics in general is a fascinating one to me because you're right. I mean, people who've been in the workforce for longer, of an older generation, do tend to be, as you say, old school and do like the comfort of being in an office and and just that routine, whereas some of the younger generations prefer the video conferencing, prefer just all technology emails. <laughs> you know, don't pick up the phone, just email me or text me. Uh, and whereas the older generation will probably prefer the phone call or the face-to-face meeting. So so working through some of those demographical differences um, is important. And, and maybe it's just having a meeting, like just to having a discussion about it, an open discussion, or opportunities to socialize outside of the office where you can Maybe just have a laugh about it and chit-chat in a more informal way to kind of get on the same page. And there's a lot uh, from both sides of those equations. There's a lot each each demographic can learn from the other in terms of how to adapt to different work environments and what works and what doesn't. And, and finding again, finding a balance.
0: It's a good way to catch up after returning to the office. But we know... Work relationships can become tricky at times. Uh, There's allegations of bullying, of harassment. How should one address those?
2: So that's a really, you know, it's a very critical conversation to address uh, if if it comes up in the office. So I know, you know, historically, people might brush things away or brush things under the rug, um, now legislation is very clear. If there is an allegation of harassment or abuse, whether it's verbal, vi- you know, physical, anything, there is an obligation of the employer to investigate that. So you cannot sweep it under the rug. You really do need to do your due diligence and investigate it thoroughly and make sure that there is proper follow-through on any allegation of, uh, of harassment or, or bullying.
0: And this comes down to avoiding risk of liability for the company, doesn't it?
2: It sure does. Yeah, and depending on what you know, what's going on, what the accusation is, there's all sorts of penalties, uh, financial penalties, as well as other consequences of not acting on, on a complaint. Um, you know, we have human rights here in Ontario that need to be protected. Um, there's employment standards that need to be adhered to. So we really need to make sure that we're doing our due diligence as employers to protect our employees, and as employees to report, anything that's of concern that needs to be investigated as well.
0: Lisa, are employees better educated when it comes to their rights in the workplace?
2: I would say absolutely. I think that's been one of the biggest shifts that I've seen in the 20-odd years I've been practicing in HR is, you know, for better or for worse, the work environment has become far more litigious. And I personally attribute that to the fact that more employees are educated about their rights and know what to do if... They're not being treated properly at work, and know who to call. So whether it's a health and safety concern, or whether it's an allegation of abuse, or uh, workplace violence, or toxic environment, or anything, employers—oh, sorry, employees—know now uh, who to call and what to do to act on that and to make sure that they're they're in a safe position to uh, continue working.
0: And obviously, that's a good thing. But do some employees use that to their advantage?
2: I mean, unfortunately, yes. There's, there's always going to be people who take advantage of a situation. Um, there are going to be people who make false claims of harassment uh, or false allegations, and that's part of the investigation. And I can tell you that I personally have been involved in many investigations where you come to the conclusion that the person has completely fabricated the entire situation. Um, so unfortunately, yes, that's the reality. People will make up lies. People will try to get away with things. Um, but so long as you do your due diligence, as an employer, hopefully um, the result will be fair.
0: Let's talk about politics in the workplace because that can also cause rift between employees.
2: That is true, um, especially especially today in this day and age. Politics uh, in general is, is a very uh, touchy subject and a very emotional subject for many people. And so You know, as an employer, it's a difficult one to navigate for sure. Uh, If employees end up engaging in conversations that end up in arguments, in disruption, in aggression, in violence, um, that's not something that can be tolerated. And so policies need to be very clear on what is allowed. Obviously, um, you know, we have freedom of speech in our country, which is wonderful, but you have to be respectful in a workplace. You have to be able to get along with others. And so there may be topics of conversation that should perhaps be off limits, or you need to be really uh, delicate and careful if if you're engaging in conversations that you know others are going to respond uh, to in a very emotional way.
0: Does that mean for the company to set standards to say, we're not going to discuss these issues, even though they're forefront right now? Are companies able to do that even?
2: It's a really good question. I think I don't know the answer to that officially in that, you know, would you put together a policy outlining certain topics that are off limits? I I can't imagine that's something that an employer would do. But certainly addressing concerns, if if there are employees who engage in a discussion that gets heated, having those employees come to the office and, and specifically spell it out to them. This is not to be tolerated. If you can't have a conversation in a in a positive way, in a respectful way, then we just have to stay off that topic, um, because. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it will impact the entire workplace. Other people who are privy to that conversation, sitting around those people who are hearing, yelling and screaming are also made to feel uncomfortable as well. So it can impact the entire office. And that's not something you'd ever want.
0: We all bring something different to the workplace. We all come from different backgrounds. Let's talk about diversity, equality and inclusion. What does that really mean?
2: That actually means a lot. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's interesting because there are all sorts of uh, specialists out there who will come in and ensure that your workplace uh, has the right policies, has has effective policies to ensure that you are being respectful of diversity and inclusion and equality. Um, you know, whether that's accommodations in place to ensure that, for example, somebody in a wheelchair is able to access an interview and not show up to find three flights of stairs when they arrive and can't get inside things like that that need to be addressed to ensure that everyone has equal opportunity in that workplace and that people feel and, and, are, and know not just feel but know that they are treated uh, inclusively and, uh, and that diversity is respected.
0: It's such an important thing but such a simple thing as well isn't it?
2: It is Um, And especially in today's, you know, political climate, um, there's a lot of talk about that. And it's important to keep that in mind. Uh, You know, with hate crimes on the rise, I think the the concept of diversity and, and equity and inclusion is all the more important to maintain that in your workplace and to make sure that people know that that's something you value is important.
0: Let's talk about some of your clients. What are the issues that they come to you with and saying, hey, Lisa, I really need some help. I need some guidance in this area.
2: Yeah, so I think back to what I was saying about the more litigious uh, nature of the workplace these days, one of the one of the more popular things happening um, with our client base happens to be around workplace investigations. So that's certainly, we've seen an uptick in that. Um, another thing, uh, again, we alluded to it earlier, is about anxiety and mental health in the workplace. Um, with everything going on between the, the pandemic, between everything else going on in the world, certainly an increase in mental health Issues and concerns being raised and ultimately leading to requests for leaves, leaves of absences to get better and to recuperate. So managing those leaves of absences, whether they're short term or ultimately if they become long term, managing those has been a a big ask lately of our clients as well. Beyond that, just ensuring policies are policies are up to date. In in the last few years, there have been quite a few legislative changes that need to be incorporated into policies and policy handbooks. So that's another thing that keeps us quite busy, <laughs> um, and especially in light of some of the new policies that have been released especially, you know in the last year or two.
0: I'm thinking for smaller companies, probably don't think that much about HR. We always, you know, we hear about the HR department and they're the major companies, but for the smaller, maybe mom or pop stores... But they, they need to know this kind of stuff, don't they?
2: They do. And that's, you know, like I said, this is where my business focuses specifically on those types of, of businesses, because often they don't know. Um, they don't know what they don't know, and it could get them into a lot of trouble. Um, you know, companies as little as 20 employees have compliance requirements that must be um, must be addressed. And, you know, we will we will be there to support you through that, recognizing HR is not necessarily everybody's cup of tea. Not everybody wants to deal with HR issues. We don't want Want to deal with HR issues half the time, but it, it's important. Um, it's important in terms of risk and compliance. it's important in terms of ensuring that employees are well, are, are well taken care of and that employers are also well t- taken care of. you know, we, we want to make sure that, um, that we're doing right by both sides you know and, and everybody uh, has a good work experience.
0: Lisa, and on that note, we have reached the end of this first episode. I hope that you will join us next time as we discuss navigating employee leaves of absences, including how employers can offer support and understanding and what their obligations are. Thank you for listening. And if you missed any part of this podcast or want to hear it again, you can access this and all episodes of HR Untethered, Navigating HR Realities with Lisa Kay, wherever you find your favorite podcast, including Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google, and many others. And if you would like to reach out to Lisa Kay to learn more about how peak performance HR can help your business, Lisa, how can people contact you?
2: The best place to visit would be our website, which is www.peakperformancehr that's com, and our email and uh, all our other social media is all there so you can you can check it out.
0: I'm Glenn Perkins. You have been listening to HR Untethered navigating HR Realities with Lisa
1: Kay. For more about the business of managing human resources, you can find HR Untethered, Navigating HR Realities with Lisa K, wherever you access your favorite podcasts or through discovery. Next, we hear from Ross Hugay and another installment of his I Am Love series.
3: We invite you to open your hearts and minds as we embrace the power of love, compassion, and self-discovery. Prepare to be inspired uplifted and guided towards a higher understanding of ourselves and the world we inhabit. Welcome to I Am Love. I am Ross Uge, the founder of the I Am Love Foundation. Please visit us at www.imlovefoundation.com.
4: We often hear that we need to find someone to complete us or that we are not whole without our other partner. And The focus for love and the focus on the idea that we can give ourselves our nurturement and love. And when we fuel ourselves, give ourselves that water, that nourishment, that's when we start to blossom and grow. And like any other garden, we end up surrounding ourselves by others that have similar beauty and focus within.
3: That's love coach Paula Howell on how Alex and Veronica discovered that love was not a fixed destination but an ever-evolving journey filled with lessons, growth, and self-discovery. The Heart's Journey Once upon a time, in a bustling city, there lived a young adventurer named Alex, who always believed that true love was the ultimate destination in life, and set off on a quest to find it. Armed with curiosity and a yearning heart, Alex embarked on a journey through distant lands and encountered diverse cultures, who sought love in every encounter, hoping to find that one special person who would complete him. But as time passed, Alex realized that the search for external love was leaving him feeling empty and unfulfilled. He began to question his approach and wondered if he was looking in the wrong places. One day, while resting beneath a majestic tree, Alex noticed a tiny bird perched on a branch. The bird's sweet melody filled the air, captivating Alex's attention. Mesmerized by its song, Alex realized that the bird had found its own form of love and fulfillment in expressing its unique voice. Inspired by the bird's revelation, Alex understood that love was not solely found in another person, but within oneself. The journey of the heart was not solely about finding someone to complete them, but discovering their own wholeness and authenticity. From that moment on, Alex shifted his focus inward embarking on a new path of self-discovery and self-love. He delved into hobbies, passions, and creative pursuits that brought him joy and a sense of fulfillment. As Alex embraced his true identity and nurtured his own passions, he radiated a newfound confidence and contentment. People began to gravitate towards Alex, drawn by his authenticity and zest for life. Through a series of serendipitous encounters, Alex met a kindred spirit named Veronica, Veronica had also embarked on her own journey of self-discovery, and the two recognized a shared understanding of the importance of self-love. Their connection blossomed into a deep and meaningful relationship rooted in mutual respect and support. They celebrated each other's individuality and encouraged one another to continue growing on their personal journeys. Together, Alex and Veronica embarked on new adventures, exploring the world with open hearts and minds. They discovered that love was not a fixed destination, but an ever-evolving journey filled with lessons, growth, and self-discovery. As they traversed the winding paths of life, Alex and Veronica learned that the truest and most profound love came from within. They understood that by embracing their own wholeness, they could love and be loved authentically, creating a bond that celebrated their individual journeys. And so, Alex and Veronica continued their heart's journey together cherishing the love they had found within themselves and nurturing their shared love that blossomed from their mutual understanding and self-acceptance
4: Now we can all relate to our trusted GPS Our GPS we put in a destination and it allows to it transports us exactly where we need to go In fact I know that for the most time when I put anything in my GPS, I'm not necessarily aware of all that's going on around me. It's the same thing. When we think about what we think we need, looking for someone to complete us, we're not looking at within for what we need. We're not looking at exactly what fuels us intentionally. We're not looking at how and what our heart core center really values. So once we take a moment to look around, to dive deeper into our core, to really understand our essence of self, it will be easier to decipher the roadmap to what we may be wanting in a partnership.
3: That's love coach Paula Howell. In the next episode, hear how Emily discovers that true love cannot flourish without a deep appreciation and acceptance of oneself. We hope you enjoyed I Am Love, our gift to you from the I Am Love Foundation. Feel more love and less stress every day with the free I Am Love meditations at IAmLoveFoundation.com and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am Ross Hugay, the founder of the I Am Love Foundation. Please visit us at www.IAmLoveFoundation.com.
1: That's it for me this week. If you missed any of this podcast or would like to hear it again, you can find it at 105.9 The Region's website under Discovery, or look for either series wherever you access podcasts currently. Until next episode, I'm Cal Steiger for Discovery. Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend
0: your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.